10-5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits! Culver is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you into the Second to None Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Recording this a day later than we usually do. Usually we record this on Monday, but sometimes things get a little bit out of your control. And I didn't have a voice yesterday still. And, you know, one thing we do on this podcast a lot is we kind of let you peek behind the curtain. Yep. We'll kind of do that off the top here. And there, there's no worse feeling, and I know you've been there, when you're on the road as a broadcaster and you get sick. And Friday, I felt it coming on. Mm. Going down to Hattiesburg, I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm not feeling good. Please don't let it affect my voice come Saturday. And you know, I wake up Saturday morning. Jerry Scott and I had gone to Walgreens the night before. We had stocked up on a bunch of drugs. And I knew that come Saturday night when I went on the air, I was going to be heavily medicated, but I was going to do everything I possibly could to get through the broadcast with a voice. And I was less than 100%, but at the same time, I was able to get through it. By the end of the broadcast, I was toast, though. Thankfully, my, my brother here... You covered for me on the TV show Sunday. Yeah, I don't think I wasn't wondering, you know, had had this football team, you know, driven down and kicked a game-winning field goal, would you have found enough in the tank to fight your way through that TV show? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, no, I had Uh, absolutely nothing left. Uh, Thanks to you for covering for me. But there was a game Saturday at Southern Miss, and – We talked about it going in. Two very evenly matched teams. The program's kind of mirroring each other right now with a couple of second-year head coaches. Butch Jones on our side. Will Hall kind of in a similar situation at Southern Miss. And it's a game where A-State did a lot of things right. Finally got some takeaways. We've been talking about Mm -hmm. that every week. A couple of interceptions in that game. Kenny Harris and Eddie Smith, both with picks in that one. The defense played well for about three and a half quarters, but another fourth quarter gets away. And unfortunately, we've seen this yeah. play out before. I was listening at different times to the broadcast. And I guess one of the first times I, I was in the vehicle and heard you guys talking, it was in Phillips' picks to click. And I heard him talking about, I know, I think he went with maybe Thurman Gathers. He was going to, you know, up front because he said, you know, this is defense that now is going to put a new emphasis on trying to get a couple takeaways. And that starts with trying to put some pressure. And so I kind of had that in my mind. So it, it necessarily wasn't a big shock when we jumped off sides three or four times in the first quarter because I was thinking back to Phillips' words. You know, they're going to try to force the issue and create some more takeaways. And yep. and so really it didn't even like – so it, it didn't even bug me, right? Because I was like, I, I, I know what's happening here, right? They're trying – it's they're being ultra-aggressive up there and they've mistimed a couple of things, and that's okay. Because, by the way, it did result in a couple of takeaways, as you said, and a near couple of others as the game went along. So uh, it was interesting then to, to see. When I was seeing the, the two or three offsides in the first quarter, I'm like, well, I get it because they're they're trying to ramp things up a little bit. It was interesting during the week, too, because Coach Jones said they were doing everything they could to try to motivate the defense 
to be aggressive and get those turnovers. They were showing clips of NFL teams making great plays to create turnovers. But maybe that paid off a little bit. You know, you, you go back over the, the history recently of the, of the defense. And I go, I'm, I'm talking about clear back to with, with Blake Anderson and Joe Cawthon. It's been interesting because, you know, A-State – was known to i'd say to have a good defense but it was predicated on just always having dudes up front to get after the quarterback and always pressing the issue and at some point right there was going to be a philosophical shift because the thought was you know we make all these plays but we might give too many up and it's always seemed like from that point on through different head coaches much less defensive coordinators it's always been this struggle to try to find that place in between being aggressive enough on defense without giving up too many explosive plays I think it's hard for a lot of teams to find that that spot in between. But look, this game was looking good. I mean, you're, you're up 19 to seven at the end of three quarters. Southern Miss does come back in the fourth. They go up 20 to 19 with a little over two minutes to go, but still had that feeling, the same feeling we had with the Memphis game. We still got over two minutes to go. Just down one. We just need a field goal. We've got an amazing field goal kicker if we can get in range. And just like Memphis, had a good kickoff return. Got to the Southern Miss 42 in a hurry and in really good shape with over a minute to go. And then it happens. <laughs> yeah. As I'm watching this with my wife, she says, how far they need to get? And I said, I bet if they get to the 40, they'll try it. And so all of a sudden you look up, and as you said, before you know it, you're to the 42. And I'm like, well, hey, at least we're, you know, we're to the we're going to get a kick out of this thing we're gonna if not at worst we're gonna get a kick at it and then we started going the wrong direction well on first down from the 42 there was a false start and we're recording this after butch jones has his weekly press conference and he said this as delicately as he possibly could that was one of the calls that he sent in to the league and he said i'm not going to go into Everything, but I will tell you, McKeelan Thomas did everything right. Everything he was taught to do on that play when that player yes. for Southern Miss came into the neutral zone. A, a defensive guy can get in and back out, right? If a defensive guy, they can jump in and out of the neutral zone when nothing happens. But if they force an offensive lineman to move as a result of getting in the neutral zone, it's offsides. Yeah. It's not a false start. But they called a false they start. They called a false start. So instead of first and five – from the 37, it's first and 15, back at the 47, incompletion, incompletion, and then a sack after that, then another false start, and before you know it, it's fourth and 27, yeah. and you're in an almost impossible situation. I see, and I hear, and I understand, like, right, when you try to run the football and it doesn't work, then inevitably, as fans, we're going to go, why do they keep trying to run the football? Well, that last possession is why you keep trying to run the football. Because that's what it looks like when the other team knows you have to pass it on every down. Yeah. You can't do it. Well, it was heartbreaking again. And third time that they've had this opportunity, and it's real easy to sit there and say, well, this team could be 5-2 and two instead of 2-5. and five. But they're 2-5. and five. Yeah. I love the attitude of the team. And you've, you've heard players, I know James Blackman and Kevon Bennett, have, have come out as team leaders, as seniors. This is their last go-around, their last chance to – get to a bowl game they're trying to rally and find a way now to win four of these last five games and get to a bowl it's tough because like as i've talked with people during the course of the week when this happens at memphis it was pretty easy to go 
my goodness. Oh, you know, these young guys, they just haven't been in that spot before. Yeah. It's all right. You know, they haven't been. You got to learn how to win and still kind of be encouraged. At Old Dominion, not as much, but still, you can you can look at that old, old Dominion and go, you're missing this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy, and probably still should have won the football game. Sucks to lose, but there's still, I mean, there's still some encouragement there. And then all of a sudden, you know, when it happens then a third time, right, it's going to be tougher and tougher to find the encouragement. And quite honestly, where you said earlier, you're thinking about the Memphis game, thinking we feel the same way. You can go down and get a kick and win it. My fear is like you know the players feel the same way, but not as you're talking about. Is that it's almost like the first time Southern Miss makes a little bit of a charge. I think there's now there's some scar tissue. There's like oh no, here we go again. Here comes the run, and it's just getting over that mental hurdle. And you know I was on Tara Ritchie's show this week and and talking about the same thing. And until you get over the hump, it's going to still be that mindset and and you and I remember the same game the one game that kind of got this whole thing started back in 2011 mm-hmm. the Western Kentucky game once you got over that hump and won a close game like that and figured out a way to win then it just happened after that the dam broke and even back then remember that still like it took a goofy event, right? It took a challenge on a spot from upstairs. Or there was going to be no last-minute touchdown at Western Kentucky. Yeah. And even after that, what gets buried in all that is the next week, it still took a block punt and a scoop and score to beat Monroe. But then after <laughs> that, that team was off to the races. All this team can do, because I know Coach talked to about wanting to have officials in practice and this and that, and that's awesome, and it's great, and he's exactly right. But all this team can do is keep putting itself in position to win. At some point, it's going to. And then when it does, they can build off that instead of getting in position to win, have something bad happen, and think, oh, no, we kind of hear the footsteps. The biggest positive right now is this team hasn't quit. They continue to play hard. Uh, They are very beat up. There were a lot of guys that did not finish that game the other night. Two of your three top corners didn't finish, and Sammy Johnson and Kenny Harris. Brian Sneed didn't finish that game the other night. Jordan Rhodes didn't finish. Adam Jones didn't finish that game. And then James Blackman finished, and I'm not sure how. Yeah, I mean, he was beat up all (laughs) night long. And then John Mincy had to come back from a – well, he's been battling an ankle all season, but he continues to fight through. And then then McKeelan Thomas, I don't know how he's still on the field. And didn't even have A.J. Mayer on the trip. No, didn't have him. We saw Jackson Daly take his first career snap the other night. Did indeed. They'll get ready now to – play their second straight road game in Lafayette this Saturday. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the program. But coming up next, we'll take a look at what else is happening in the world of A-State athletics. That's on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Back on the Second to Done podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Taking a look at what else is happening in the world of A-State Athletics. A lot's going on. 
The volleyball team was at home this past week. They dropped their two matches to Troy Friday and Saturday. They're going to be on the road again coming up this Friday and Saturday as they travel to Hattiesburg to take on Southern Miss. So take everything we just said about the football team, rewind this podcast, or just plug in volleyball instead, and it mostly all still applies. This is a team that's playing a couple of experienced players. The vast majority of the minutes are being played by freshmen and sophomores that are new to the program. And they keep giving themselves chances. They lose so many sets, 25-23, 27-25, 28-26. And it's a lot of it the same way, just like this Troy weekend. Play from ahead most of the first set. All of a sudden, get late in the set. Troy makes a little bit of a run at him. It's, oh, no, here we go again. Uh, By the way, when you think that, more times than not, you end up being right. When you think, oh, no, here we go again, then you're right. Oh, no, here we go again. Troy wins the first set. Troy wins the second set and really played from ahead, got ahead, stayed ahead. They're down two sets to none. Come back and win the third set. Now it's two sets to one. They're ahead the entire fourth set. At one point, it's 21-15. At one point, it's 23-19 mm. to force set number five. And they give up six straight points Man, to close out the fourth set and lose a 3-1 match that's not nearly as close looking at the score as if it was sitting there watching the match. And it's happened to that team a lot. And I know they're frustrated as all get out, but they're young, there's talent there, and even though they can't get one to fall their way, they just keep giving themselves shots soccer team continues to win they've won five out of six now they beat georgia state on sunday one nil you're impressed now aren't you? i am yeah. darby stotts had the goal she did that was all it took able to close it out after that now and, and, she scored in the first half right that yeah she yeah. scored in the first half and they made it stick which i mean again more times than not you know the way this team has played defense under brian dooley they score first your day just got a whole lot tougher. I mean, because they, they can shift the way they do things, and they play defense still pretty daggum well. Matter of fact, right before we sat down to record this, Mackenzie Robinson was named the Defensive Player of the Week in the Sun Belt. Speaking of Sun Belt Players of the Week, <laughs> golf had two of them. They did, as a matter of fact. They were both at home this past week. The Bubba Barnett Intercollegiate was held at Ridgepoint for the men's golf team. And, and when you say they're playing at home, that's taking that statement and ramping it up a notch here at the Bubba Barnett. Because not only is it, you know, one of the A-State's home courses, it literally is Devin Pappas's home course. His dad's the pro. That's right. And Devin Pappas acted like his dad was the pro because he knows that course very well. He won the individual competition. Not only that, but he was named the Sunbelt Conference Men's Golfer of the Week, as you mentioned. And... By the way, the men's golf team won the tournament. So Devin won the medalist comfortably. About five or six strokes, I really think, the way it ended up. But from a team standpoint, that tournament was tied on the 18th tee box. Yep. And uh, he nearly drove the green on 18 at Ridgepoint and then chipped up to you know not much more than a tap-in for a birdie. The other team bogeyed it. So it ended up a two-stroke win. But on the, on the final tee box, that tournament was tied. Mm. And he's and he produced a tap in birdie for the victory. Well, congratulations to Devin and the A State men. Meanwhile, the women's team 
was also hosting a tournament. They hosted the Lady Red Wolves Classic at Sage Meadows. And they finished second in the tournament, but our buddy Olivia Schmidt with another big feather in her cap Mm -hmm. as she wins the tournament, the individual competition, by four strokes, and she was named Sunbelt Golfer of the Week. It's her fourth individual title, which ties her for most in program history. And her 12-under par for a 54-hole event was the lowest score in Sunbelt Conference history. Oh, wow. For an individual. No Sunbelt women's golfer had ever shot 12-under in a tournament before until last week. And they finished second by one stroke in that tournament and uh, and really kind of made a run. Probably they would t- didn't have their best day necessarily in the first round, but came back and got themselves a chance to win it. They put two teams in it. And, I mean, th- these golf coaches, God love them, they put themselves in more position to second guess themselves than maybe any other coaches and any other sports yeah. because like for example and for the men you put your team in a five guys to count four scores but then you also have another couple play as individuals well in the men's case when Devin Pappas shot 67 to lead the tournament at the first round he was actually tied for the lead because one of our individuals also shot 67 so as the golf coach you're like well hell's bells why didn't i have that guy in the lineup well they even ramped that up a notch on the women's side because they had their four golfers to count three right they had four that were going to play in individuals and the other four said hey we want to play as another team so literally they had two different a state teams in it and at one point in the first round those teams were tied with each other for like third place in the tournament Mm. so you're always going oh gosh did i get the combination right this that and the other you open yourself up to more second guessing than maybe any other sport. And they finished second, but only lost by one. Yeah. So that close. But big congrats to, to both golf teams for, for another good week. Meanwhile, we do have some basketball news. These last couple of days, men's and women's basketball has been represented in New Orleans at Sunbelt Conference Media Days. And we say this because... This is a big deal because it's the first time that it's happened in a very long time where all the coaches and a player representative for each team actually goes to New Orleans. And first off, big props to the Sun Belt for doing this. I think it's a big deal that they're hosting this event. It's tough at this time of year for a lot of the media members to get there as opposed to late summer when football media days are. But because of social media and ESPN Plus, it is an event that they're able to have. And Mike Bellato and Caleb Fields making their way to New Orleans. And I know Destiny Rogers and Lauren Pendleton also uh, representing A-State. So as we're recording this on Tuesday, right, the women's teams were today. So at 9.15, Coach Dez and, and Lauren were on the podium. And then Wednesday, same time, 9.15, It'll be uh, Coach Bellotto and Caleb Fields. You're right. Like the Sunbelt hasn't done an in-person basketball media days in around about a decade. Yeah, and it'll be interesting what happens in the long term because I mean you do you appreciate the hustle, especially the ESPN Plus element of it. Because I sat in my office on ESPN Plus and watched our women today. So maybe they at the end of the day you decide that's worth it because you still do the Zoom podium and people are sending in questions. Uh, it is tough for a lot of media to get loose. And by the way, it's also tough on these basketball coaches because they could be practicing right they're giving up you know a day or two of practice at a time they don't want to be doing that necessarily sure. so it'll be interesting to see what the long-term plan is there but i'm sure it, you appreciate the league trying to, to do what it can to put the event on 
with media days, they've also announced the preseason polls and the preseason all-conference teams. On the women's side, the women picked ninth in the league out of 14 teams. First team all-sun belt for Kia Patton. She's preseason first team. And then preseason third team selection, Lauren Pendleton. And then on the men's side, A-State picked 12th. And I think a lot of that comes with the uncertainty of yep. everything that last year's team lost with North Shadow yeah, so Martin Seaton, Desi Sills, all gone. We don't know who you got, but we know who you don't. And that's all you're kind of basing that off of. Caleb Fields is back, and he's a preseason third team all-sun belt selection. In this day and age, and look, I mean, even before that, I mean, preseason polls are just something to talk about. But they're going to be less accurate than ever in the age of the transfer portal because you have no clue from one year to the next what teams have done with their roster. By choice or by force, you don't know. Even the women, like, right? I'm really excited about watching this women's team. I think they are going to be fun to watch. I think they're going to play wide open, and I'm looking forward to it. The men, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing the men too because there are so many faces. And I'll tell you this, number one, we know they've already dealt with an injury to a young guy they were counting on. But when Coach Bellotto kind of got forced into the spot he was in with stuff he wasn't planning on happened to his program in the offseason, I kind of saw, I mean, I had a chance to see his kind of his recruiting board, and here's a list of guys we want to go after to fill these voids. And they got several guys off that list that are part of this team right now. He likes the talent on this roster, and obviously there are some new people to mix in, but I'm excited about seeing both of these teams. And look, it's going to be here before you know it. The first exhibition game for the men is November 2nd. They open up the regular season on the 7th of November. Again, depending on when you're listening to this, you know, Boots and Ballers is Thursday night. A lot of people will go in and catch the tail end of practice there. And then, uh, you know, the men's team's actually scheduled to scrimmage Friday night at 6, and that's an open scrimmage at First National Bank Arena. So if you're, you know, in northeast Arkansas and listen to this before Friday, you can slip over there then and, and get a look. They'll divide them up and have a scrimmage. We'll take one final break. Be back to wrap it up here in just a moment here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize your home really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. Well, we'll wrap it up with a... Look ahead to this week. Football will be in Lafayette coming up on Saturday. A 4 o'clock kickoff at Cajun Field. Our coverage begins at 2 over on the EAB Red Wolf Sports Network from Learfield. You can also see that game on ESPN+. Plus. But look, even when the Cajuns were up these last couple of years and the Red Wolves have been down a little bit, they've still been one-score games. And... Really, more often than not, that's what you should expect in this rivalry. And I, I go back two years ago, we were in Lafayette, led six to nothing at, at the half. Yep. Ended up having to let them score with a little over a minute to go. They end up winning twenty seven to twenty. And then last year, you remember what happened? Twenty eight twenty seven in Jonesboro and 
the most impressive thing that they did in that game was how they ended yeah. the game on a 10-plus minute drive that lasted 20 plays. We just couldn't get them off the yeah. field. Yeah, one-point game, and we know how good that Cajun team was. I mean, yeah, you know they I mean? went 13-1. This series is riddled and filled with close games and wonky finishes. The only game I've still ever seen in my life where the whole place stood still and at the replay booth decide who won. We've seen that happen. Oh, yeah. In Lafayette. So there's no reason to think that this one won't follow suit and be a, a close game, even though here's what I hope those people in Lafayette are remembering this week. I recall their beat writer said this would be the least competitive game on their schedule. Uh, even less competitive than their FCS yes. opponent. He ranked this as the 12th most competitive game out of the 12 on their schedule. That sounds like bulletin board material <laughs> I need to, to go back and remind them of that. <laughs> Uh, there was a little bit of a change to next week's schedule that uh, we need to address here. Uh, originally, the game on the 29th at home next Saturday against South Alabama was set for 6 o'clock, but ESPNU has picked up that game, and that means it's now a 3 o'clock kick time. And you may be wondering, well, why they pick that one up? And one of the big reasons is this. South Alabama. Yeah, they got they every right to be undefeated right now. Depending on you know when you're listening to this and they're playing Troy on Thursday night and it's right at of not a sellout and that'll be a great environment. But yeah, they they've only lost to UCLA in a game they led a whole lot more of that game than they trailed. Depending on what all happened this weekend, they could be knocking on the door to being ranked when they come in here next weekend. Yeah, they're receiving votes right now, so it'll be interesting to see, especially if, if they're able to knock off Troy, just how they look when they come into Jonesboro next Saturday night. Anything you need to address? Well, you'll see, you know, we're really going to do a lot of things, I think, for that game. And the 3 o'clock probably doesn't hurt. It probably helps. You know, we really want people to embrace this as an opportunity to kind of get some extra mileage out of your kids' Halloween costume. You pay for the thing. You might as well get to use it more than once. But like, <laughs> we're a gonna, good point. But we're going to be doing some trick-or-treat type things in Tailgate City. Matter of fact, you're going to see information come out where you literally can buy a plot in Tailgate City and just come and do trick-or-treating basically we're invite kids to come and trick-or-treat up and down the red wolf walk and throughout tailgate city our student athletes our student athlete advisory committee will be out there uh, with candy there's probably gonna be costume contests going on during the game and a whole lot of other stuff that we're really we'll just try to turn this into the area's biggest halloween party I next like saturday it. all right so right down probably to even halloween some point, and football halloween yeah, right. we've had some games on, you know, one too long ago. We had a game on Halloween night, didn't we? I a think midweek so. Midweek game. And we'll even, you know, right down to probably some of the music that plays will probably be Halloween influenced. And right. it's also, you know, it's it's Ag Day, too, which is also yeah, know, a big day. Oh, that. heck, uh, I got a lot of money to give away next week to area teachers. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. We get, we're in the, uh, the, again, you've got until Monday, so that's, what, the 24th, I think. To apply, you know, we're giving away six $1,000 grants to area teachers through the Extra Yard for Teachers program. It's part of the CFP, and the Sunbelt's part of that, and then all the Sunbelt schools have gotten involved where you kind of help get your hands on $6,000 to divvy up how you wish. So we're doing six $1,000 grants to pre-K to 12 teachers in the area. If you're a teacher, you can apply for it yourself, but if you want to apply for it on a teacher's behalf, you can do that too. It's a really, really easy process. Just go to astateredwolves.com slash teachers. Of course, all that 
coming up next Saturday, October 29th. We'll get you ready for that game. And, of course, uh, recap everything that happens in Lafayette this weekend. That's when we join you again next week on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.